When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now when you use promo code DNVR, you'll receive $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's with code DNVR and only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today is friend of the pod and friend of me, Mr. Kevin Henry of Fansided. What's going on today, Kev? Man, it's all good, Patrick. Good to see you, brother. How you doing? I'm I'm doing well uh, because I'm I'm in the comfort of my own home studio, uh, whereas you were on the road in already your second city. So there's there's four teams that won in the wild card round yep. that have moved on, and they're they're in another series. There's actually five. There's Kevin Henry because. You did, the, you did the first round in St. Louis. We'll talk about that. But now you're still going strong in Houston, and you saw a special one last night, didn't you? Man, I tell you what, that was something. You know, Mariners lead the whole time, but you just had this feeling. And, and one of the things I heard over and over again in the clubhouse is, we don't give up, don't ever count us out. And the, and the Astros, uh, with that Alvarez bomb, man, uh, made such a statement yesterday. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll break into that in a little bit. We'll also talk about uh, maybe any things that you may have learned in St. Louis about our old friend Nolan Arenado, uh, having been bounced already uh, from the postseason there with his total of zero wins, no wins. Arenado, uh, as as our graphic uh, shows, it's clever. Hey, we we got a we got a real think tank over here at the DNVR to to come up with these kind of things. Uh, but of course, let's go ahead and and start with uh, the Colorado Rockies. You you cover them. There, a uh, member of the Baseball Writers Association of America for a couple years now. And, you know, this was a, a long season uh, in many aspects, uh, especially since it seemed like the year was was over at the halfway point. Uh, and there, there wasn't too much, you know, to play for. There wasn't too much exciting. How, how did you think the season ended up going uh, in, in the general scheme of things? I think disappointing is, is a real safe word to use there. You know, I, I think that there were a lot of aspirations for the Rockies this year and by them finishing in the basement, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of folks had uh, thoughts of, you know, maybe a 500, you know, season, maybe something that would give some excitement heading into September. Uh, but unfortunately it just wasn't there. And, and I think, you know, a lot of that boils down to uh, a lot of players took steps back this year, you know, and I think that that's something that's a little concerning, especially when some of those guys like, you know, like a Rymac, like Antonio Senzatella, some of these guys that they have locked up moving forward are some of those guys who, who maybe didn't move forward the way that they hoped this year. In our Sabre chapter here in Denver, we had a contest of, 
you know, uh, picking how many wins the Rockies would have this season, uh, figuring out the World Series if we needed a tiebreaker. And on average, uh, our our members, of, there's like 30 plus of them that, that submitted uh, ballots. They had around 75, 76 wins for this team, which is essentially what you got last year, according to Dick Monfort and a letter that recently uh, just came out. I imagine you've seen it. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like maybe the expectations were uh, quite a bit higher than that. I think they were, and I and I know that there's a lot of uh, looking through purple glasses uh, whenever it comes to the Rockies. Sometimes, especially from the front office, uh, but but the unfortunate thing is that really the the changes that they brought in this year didn't make the impact. You know, uh, the Colomays, Iglesias had a heck of a year. You know, and and I will go on record saying I was so wrong about him whenever you and I talked in the preseason. So you know, uh, all the Jose Iglesias fans out there can keep reminding me of that. But, but there just wasn't the impact uh, that some of the new guys, and especially Chris Bryant, of course, uh, that they expected. And so when you, when you put basically the same team maybe out there this year that was out there last year, yeah, it, it doesn't surprise that they took maybe a little bit step back. Yeah, that, that was one of the main questions I wanted to ask is, you know, what, uh, what expectations really weren't fulfilled. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head there in, in that way is that, the Rockies, I think, were hoping for a lot more from those guys, and obviously a lot more than 42 games from Chris Bryant. But really, when they signed those guys, what I liked uh, about the signings of, and, and they're all one-year deals for Jose Iglesias, Alex Colomay, and Chad Cool, was that they were solid veterans that were you know placeholders for maybe some younger guys going forward but they were guys that would contribute and you know maybe they're a one war type of player uh they're gonna be hot at sometimes maybe not at others uh and iglesias kind of did that uh, very much uh, all season long when he was healthy chad cool did that a lot more so in the first half than after the june 27th complete game shut out of the dodgers um, you really didn't get much of anything. And Colme was actually fairly good, at least through the trade deadline, yeah. uh, before our last couple outings really, you know, blew up his ERA above five. Uh, but you're right. I think they were probably expecting a lot more for them as well as a guy that they brought in in a trade in Randall Gritchick. But when you look at his numbers, he kind of did what Randall Gritchick typically does. He did actually, you know, and, and that's such a good point is that there were a lot of folks who I think were disappointed in Gritchick. You know, he had that great catch in Texas at the very start of the season and then went very quiet for quite some time. But at the end of the season, he was hitting pretty well. And when all the numbers shook out, you're exactly right. He was he was who they thought they were, to quote Dennis Green, right? So, you know, uh, but I, I think that, you know, what you touched on a minute ago about Colomay and Cool both being so good in the first half, I think that those questions will still kind of haunt Bill Schmidt a little bit about why didn't you get rid of them at the trade deadline? Why didn't you trade them at their highest value? Um, you know, because I'm not sure that either one of those guys will be back with the Rockies next year. So, you know, um, hindsight's 2020, obviously, but still. Yeah. Yeah. You, the Rockies continue to get nothing from nothing, which you think that's, that's how it should go. Zero equals zero, but that's not always true. Uh, every other team, uh, all other the other 29 clubs did make a deal and were figured out a way to say, Hey, well, let's get something from nothing since this guy is going to be a free agent. What were the, were there any bright spots, bright spots where you thought maybe players had exceeded expectations? And if we have to squint and say, well, Hey, after August 1st, Ryan McMahon was, was pretty good. Right. Was there anything at least that was a season long uh, expectation that, that was exceeded? You, you know, for me, it was certainly Daniel Bard. I mean, this is a guy who lost the closer position last year, came back, had such a strong season throughout the year. You know, uh, when Tyler Kinley went down, you know, and certainly Carlos Estevez had his, had his good moments as the season went along. But Bard was a guy from start to finish that Bud Black could count on that bullpen. So I certainly count him in there. And then I think that Brennan Rogers, you know, I, I think that, uh, everybody expected him to take a step forward this year. But after that horrendous April, and we were all wondering, are they going to send him down? What's going on? You know, for him to bounce back the way that he did, I, I think that that's a huge feather in his cap. Yeah, the, those are pretty much all the the bright spots as far as brighter than you would expect. Uh, we learned uh, just the other day, Herman Marquez, uh, there was an error out there somewhere. So magically, his ERA is under five. So that's okay. But not what you expect out of him, a guy who was 
you know, he was an all-star last year, uh, his first time going to the Midsummer Classic there. You know, you, you could have possibly squinted and said, hey, should he start the all-star game in Colorado? Mostly it would have been because of the storyline. Uh, had a couple no-hit bids uh, that, that he took late into a game. Uh, or, or at least one hitters uh, that that he he brought late into uh, into a lot of different games, and yet this year we didn't see that from him, and we didn't really see a, a step forward in a major way from Kyle Freeland. I think he was, you know, still relatively good. Uh, and and one thing that I've kind of uncovered now that the season's over, you take a look at the numbers and and you say, hey, what what am I missing? What jumps out here? You know, Kyle Freeland had uh, an ERA just over three on the road. Uh, and that ranks as one of the best in franchise history. So it's going. You, you want you want those guys to continue to take steps forward. But now where they're at at their age, you know, Marquez uh, could be 28 here and Freeland 29. This might ultimately be the the, the players or pitchers that they are. Well, and, and how long have we said the the rotation is the strength for the Rockies? You know, I think we've said that ever since 2018. It feels like. And, and now you really start to wonder, as you said, with age starting to creep in just a little bit here, as well as some inconsistency throughout the season, is that still the case? You know, can Herman bounce back to be that guy that we saw before last year's All-Star game? Can Kyle actually be consistent throughout the season? And then after that, there's, there's a lot of question marks with this rotation heading into next year. How quickly will Antonio come back? Is Gomber a part of it? Uh, you know, is there a spot for Jose Urania? Uh, Peter Lambert, you know, uh, the Ryan Rawlson. There's there's a lot of things that I think we're going to have to wait until spring training to really see flush out. But there's a lot more questions about that rotation now than there certainly has been in previous seasons. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You only have Marquez and Freeland that you can lean on. They both made 31 starts this year. Uh, so that was great to see. Sensatel's injury. You don't know what you're going to get when he comes back, but you know he will be back. And so maybe in 2024, you say, okay, you're back to the big three, uh, as it were, here in Colorado. But outside of that, it, it's nothing but question marks. Austin Gomber's obviously in that conversation. Uh, he should be able to to battle for a spot in the rotation. We've got a long offseason to kind of speculate as to what Colorado will do. But as you bring that up, do you think that they need to target someone in free agency or at least bring back uh, Jose Urania? So as they're sort of free agent signing, do you think they, they just need somebody at this point right now in the rotation? Yeah, you know, it's it's strange whenever you think that Arania may be the, the guy who will end up being the biggest signing of the bunch moving forward. Uh, but I, I think that they, I would be surprised if he's not back next year, just judging from some of the comments that Bud Black has said, Arania has said about the Rockies being able to give him a chance to be a starter again. Uh, so I, I think that they'll be back. But I also do think that, you know, as you said just a moment ago, the Rockies have to look outside. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of depth coming up in that rotation. They're going to have to sign somebody this offseason to kind of be that veteran guy to blend in with Herman and Kyle because what is going to happen with Antonio? We're not 100% sure right now. So I think that finding some guy uh, to come in, be a year or two starter, really be that middle to back into the rotation guy, I, I think that's going to be important for the Rockies this offseason. Yeah, it, it has to be because, as you said, the the pitching in the, the upper levels of the minor leagues is virtually non-existent other than Joe Rock, who was able to get up to, to AA. There's nobody that you can rely on. Peter Lambert now, it's 2019 was his season. Uh, pitched really well, but but that was that. Uh, Ryan Rollison still yet to make his debut. Of course, Ryan Feltner is going to be in the mix for the rotation spot. But Jose Urania, you're right. He could be in line for uh, for a two-year deal here to help bridge the gap uh, at some point because uh, you're right, that rotation you know, really has taken a hit. And, uh, and, and you begin to kind of appreciate what John Gray did uh, all the more um, during his time in Colorado and understand why a team like Texas would have paid him you know, $54 million last offseason in that deal. I think the Rockies have to find consistency. Uh, you know, I think that that's the biggest thing there. Are, you have to find five guys that you can count on and know pretty much, you know, there's always going to be the clunker start in there. It happens. It happened for Justin Verlander yesterday, you know, but there's always going to be the clunker start, but how much consistency can you find across the board? And certainly the Rockies, you know, uh, traveling from, from altitude to sea level has been well-documented. That's going to be more of a challenge, but still to find somebody to come in and really kind of, be that that bridge between maybe the front end and, and a questionable back end of the rotation right now. It's important. Yeah, go back to Jose Urania. There's there's not too many starts that 
he was like really, really bad. The one against Texas was was bad where he couldn't get out of the second inning, gave up yep. nine runs. Uh, there was one in Cincinnati where, you know, he gave up six earned runs. But other than that, he's he very much and in, in, in talking with him, you know, after his starts, he's a guy that doesn't get phased very much. He uh, he does not have Rocky Mountain fever in any way. Uh, it does not, he's not stricken with that, you know, he'll get slapped around a little bit, but he kind of rebounds. And so he's got this kind of mentality. I don't know what it is yet. I haven't, I haven't figured it out. You know, like Kyle Freeland says, Hey, it's really about not giving up that next run, uh, or, or avoiding that, uh, home run, whatever it may be. But Jose Urania has that kind of it factor to, to deal with games that can get out of hand quick, but aren't totally, you know, far off at that point. You know, and I think part of that comes from he's so confident that he can keep the ball down in the zone and get those grounders. And, you know, you and I both talked to him after the game, and, and he just kind of oozes that confidence a little bit. And I think that's a lot that goes along with that steady heartbeat of his. That You're right. If a runner gets on base, he just kind of goes, okay, well, I can get a double play ball here. And he's really confident that he can do that. Yeah, I'm confident you're going to have a blast down on the corner of Colfax, New York at the DNVR bar, especially if you're a member because, you know, you get 15% off your tab. Beer, you're getting the avalanche nachos, you're getting a burger, wings, whatever it is. Yes, you actually get 15% off down at the bar, the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax, New York. If you're a member, it's only 50 cents for your first month if you just want to try it out. But if you're ready to go all in on that annual membership, you know you get a free shirt from DNVRlocker.com. You get price breaks on all the Broncos tailgates. We've got some Nugget par- Nuggets party bus uh, games coming up already uh, through the first half of the season. So uh, make sure you check that out over at the DNVR.com. Make sure you're supporting one of our biggest sponsors, Breckenridge Brewery. The Hoot Nanny that they had last weekend was amazing. You probably saw it all over social media, uh, but you know that you don't need you don't need social media to know that football season is back, and that's why Mile High is ready to see what the Broncos have in store. And what better to pair that with than the Broncos Country Pale Ale? Show off that colorful Colorado legacy with the Orange Crush logo, 100% Colorado ingredients. Yes, we're telling you right now. There's no choices. This is your go-to for the entirety of the football season. Check out the beer locator at www.breckbrew.com to find a Broncos country pale ale near you. The NFL, as we said, is in full swing here. And with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner, they're helping you out with new customers where, look, you're going to get $200 in free bets. All you got to do is place a $5 bet on an NFL team to win. And if they do, you get that super nice payout. They also have stepped up same game parlays. Uh, that gives you a major bonus. You only do it once a day, so you have to cherry pick, but you get that opportunity once per game day all season long. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet. That's code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See link in the description for details. Well, before we get to Houston, where you're at right now, St. Louis, what was that experience like there? Maybe I should say, what was that experience like through the first eight innings of game one when, you know, the Cardinals were up to nothing? That was probably pretty nice. You know, the best fans in baseball were a little excited about things. Let's be perfectly honest here. It was a rocking party, Uh, you know, Friday afternoon there at Bush. uh, Felt like fall, nice cool day. You know, it was packed house. And man, it just... It, it all came apart, you know, and, and I was thinking about this last night while I was in Houston, how both the game ones that I've seen, there was a lot of confidence on one team heading into the ninth. And then that same team walked away the loser of that game. Uh, so, you know, Ollie Marmel, he was kind of under the microscope, a lot of uh, questionable decisions in that ninth inning. And then it just felt like in game two, as soon as Bryce Harper hit that homer, everybody was just like, Ugh. you know, you just, you just feel the air go out of Bush Stadium. Is, is it almost a sense right now in, in St. Louis that they they don't have whatever it is that je ne sais quoi, not oh. to, to speak German on the on the podcast, <laughs> but um, they, they're, they're missing that thing uh, in the postseason because they don't have a problem making the playoffs. Like that's not a problem for them in that division or figuring it out, finding guys who know the Cardinals way. But the playoffs are a whole new season. And right now it almost seems like they that's a whole new year to them and they – suck in that season they do and you know and and our our mutual friend Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch was talking about how it's become an October tradition now for the Cardinals to bow out early and you know how 
how uh, ironic is that, uh, that that is now what the Cardinals are known for? Really strong regular season, uh, really weak postseason. And, of course, that's what our friend Nolan Arenado uh, kind of uh, is known for right now as well, whether he is wearing purple or Cardinal red. Yeah. Was there anything that you were able to, to pick out from, you know, he, he went one for eight, but, yeah. you know, the results were kind of unfortunate because he had, you know, really great exit velocity in so many of those. So just kind of unfortunate how it was. And, uh, and his one hit ended up, you know, being just like a little squib 71 mile per hour exit velocity. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's uh, he's now and three uh, as a member of the Cardinals. He, he won his, his division, right? He, he got that, the NL Central Division title, uh, but he now has uh, less wins in St. Louis than he does uh, in the postseason with the Colorado Rockies. That being yeah. a one to nothing difference. Uh, anything you were able to pick up from that, or is everyone just kind of shaking their head, going, "This thing's all over already again"? Well, uh, there's that. First of all, is that there was complete shock that the Cardinals didn't even win a game against the Phillies, and second, there's a lot of frustration. You know, in the game one presser after the game, that was one of the big talk is that uh, Ollie Marmel talked about all the exit velocities coming out, not only from Nolan, but I think Albert had a couple of hard hits that were right at people. There were a lot of things that just didn't go the Cardinals way in that first game. And so I think there was a lot of frustration that they felt like they were having the right approach to the play, but just not getting the results. And in such a quick series, you know, you've got to flush that and move on to game two. And it didn't feel like the Cardinals we're able to do that. Yeah. I, I want to ask about if, if Cardinals fans were able to flush it uh, at the starting game two, uh, despite the six, two loss in game one, Yeah, but it, it does make you, make you think, because again, uh, I imagine they're talking about this in St. Louis. Now this need not just to win the division. And, and this is something that uh, I think a, a team like Toronto uh, is going to have to deal with a little bit too. Um, seeing as though they were one of the, the home teams uh, that lost to a, uh, to a lower seated club. Yeah. But getting that first round by because, you know, St. Louis, they didn't have to deal with the wild card, whereas last year, you know, they, they lost to the Dodgers and that was uh, unfortunate for them. But they won the division, yet they still had to prove themselves here in this brand new wild card round. So it makes getting that first round by uh, all the more valuable. And that, I think that's what MLB was was hoping for. So for for one of the two division winners uh, to have lost in the first round, uh, it really puts uh, you know an emphasis on, on making sure that you win as many regular season games as possible so that you don't have to prove yourself against that last team that snuck in to the postseason and maybe is on a is on a heater. Absolutely. And let's take the flip side of that because it's been a lot of talk here in Houston about would the Astros come out rusty? uh by sitting for that long you know along with the dodgers along with the braves and, and we saw what happened in atlanta yesterday like you said philadelphia comes in on a heater and just keeps that going you know but dusty baker was asked that several times about is your team ready for this and it took them four or five innings to really get the bats going but then eventually they did st louis you know look back at that game one the only offense that they had before a very small ninth inning rally that was you know Nolan's uh, bloop there was in the ninth inning of that game uh, was that uh, Marmel put in Juan Yepes and hit the two-run pinch hit home run to give them that lead heading into the ninth. Outside of that, the Cardinals didn't have any offense either. So, uh, you know, I think that boils down to as well that St. Louis had their division wrapped up well before Philadelphia wrapped up their wild card. And a lot of things that we heard in the Phillies clubhouse was about that they've been playing playoff baseball for quite some time now to even get into the postseason. And I think that that really was an advantage for them in St. Louis. And we saw yesterday in game one in Atlanta as well. This team is a we've got to win this thing uh, mindset and it's paying off well. Yeah, Adam Wainwright did come out. Uh, I think it was today, this morning, even saying that. Yeah, you know, he got hit in the in the knee with uh, with a comebacker uh, against Atlanta, and that really impacted him uh, the final way through the season. Didn't didn't even play uh, in that that Phillies series, which was a problem, honestly, because he had some very pointed comments for us in the locker room afterwards. He was not happy he never got in against the Phillies. So it really does make you wonder about, is he going to be riding off in the sunset with Pujols and uh, Molina? We did a, a fun episode of uh, TDSP, the Denver Sports Podcast, yesterday with uh, Susie and, and Brendan Vogt, who is, a, uh, who is a Cardinals fan. And, 
you know, before we started talking, he, we were speculating, you know, maybe Wainwright will come back. Like he, he still has something else uh, to, to prove uh, and maybe not to prove, but you know, he, he's, there's more, there's more left in the tank. Obviously I think, you know, uh, Molina, he'd just keep playing till forever and, until you just didn't put him in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, and then Pujols, you know, go out on a high, you might as well. Um, but with, with Wainwright, you know, you've got a family to go back to, but I'm, I'm wondering how much in his head is like, do I really want to in six years go to the hall of fame with these two guys? Like I want my moment. So you know what? I'm going to make sure that I don't go in. Then again, I don't know that Wayne Wright is the first round, first ballot hall of famer, uh, regardless if he sticks around for at least one more year, that will, uh, that will mess up, tweak the timelines just a little bit. So he doesn't ever have to answer that question. Do, do you think there's a chance he could come back? Oh, I do. Absolutely. And I, and I think the Cardinals are hoping that he comes back because an interesting dynamic that we started to talk about in the clubhouse right after the Cardinals were eliminated was where's the leadership going to come from next year? You know, you automatically think it's going to be Goldschmidt and it's going to be Arenado. They're going to kind of be those two voices in the clubhouse. And, you know, is that really something Nolan wants? Does he want to be that guy in St. Louis knowing what's going on in St. Louis you know, even before he got there, as far as their frustration with the postseason. So, you know, he's going to have to step into a completely different role next year if Wainwright doesn't come back. I certainly think Wainwright will be one of those leaders in the clubhouse if he's back. But if not, there's a big void there that, that uh, Nolan and Goldschmidt are going to have to step into. That that That's such a great point right there about that because, you know, we know Nolan, we've, we've seen this situation and, you know, it might behoove Nolan to, to go ahead and, and, and opt out so that maybe he can be a part of a, another team similar to the St. Louis situation where he isn't the number one guy on the call sheet or number two or even number three. I think that's a great spot. I think we would all, and maybe uh, in a way, if some of us more than others would want to be that top guy sure. and want the, the bullseye on their back, I don't know that Nolan necessarily wants that. Uh, I also don't know that he wants to leave St. Louis. So I think there's a chance he could go into the – you know, uh, owner's uh, office and just say, look, we both know I have an opt-out clause, but I want to stay here. What can we do? I think, is there is there a 100% chance, where would you put it, that Nolan Arenado has himself a larger contract, whether it be St. Louis or elsewhere? Is, is it 100% that that's going to happen or maybe not? I was getting ready to use the whole why not both meme, you know, because I think Nolan will opt out. I also think he'll get a bigger contract with the Cardinals. That's, that's what I think is going to happen. I think he will exercise that. I think there will be some tense moments in St. Louis, but I also think that he'll come back with a bigger contract. But you and I both know with great contracts come great responsibility. So uh, Nolan is going to be that guy, and uh, if he chooses to do that, uh, he will be the leader and will be looked to. And every question after the game, they're going to come up and want to talk to Nolan about what happened and why. With a large contract comes – Large responsibilities, of course. Famed general manager Peter Parker once said that, of course. Again, we love our baseball uh, <laughs> biographies that we've read. No, people, come on, we're, we're kidding here. Um, but you know, no, you're absolutely right. I think, I think now is is a point for for Nolan's career to do a couple things. I mean, uh, he's learning that it's a little bit harder to win a World Series than than maybe he thought. You know, going to a place like St. Louis, yes, you are you are in a better spot to make the postseason every single year than with Colorado. Um, and, and you know where the focus is to win a World Series, and they have done it not that long ago, so to speak. Uh, but nevertheless, it, it is very much a challenge. And so he sort of needs to decide, all right, maybe maybe I need to you know, coach up some more of my guys. Uh, I wrote about it a couple months ago about you know him kind of taking a Lars Newtbar under his wing. Like that's that's sort of his guy. Lars is Lars makes fun of him. He just straight up, you know, will rip on Nolan and he's the only guy that's sort of allowed to do that. And so I think Nolan may need to do more of that. He may need to say, I still want to get paid. Like I still want to, you know, raise the bar. So I'm I'm worth even more than that. Rather than, you know, take a more cushier spot in let's say Los Angeles. Los Angeles is going to have uh, the Dodgers going to have a lot of money coming off the books, yep. you know, this uh this next season. They're still going to put a lot more back on, so that's that's almost mooted. That's not going to stop them from getting something that they want. But I do think, you know what, if he goes to LA, I mean, Freddie Freeman's already there. Clayton Kershaw, you know, is probably going to come back. Uh, Dave Roberts is a veteran manager. Mookie Betts, like there's plenty of those guys that can offer a buffer, but you know, I, I don't know that that's the the better solution. It's it's easier, 
but I don't know that it's a better solution. And, and for that reason, I, I think you're right. I think he's going to stay in St. Louis, but he'll end up finding a way to, to make more money, whether he opts out or they just come to a, a gentleman's agreement to, to pay him even more than what's remaining on his current co- salary. You know, there's just that feeling, though, in your gut, isn't there, that at some point Nolan's going to be with the Dodgers? There's just that that feeling that it's coming at some point, you know, and, and it could be this offseason. It could. Hey. That's Kevin Henry at KGH23 on Twitter. Uh, if you uh, want to give him your thoughts about Nolan, <laughs> be, do, do, you, uh, do you buy any of the, uh, the fantasy booking that Nolan may end up finishing his career in Colorado? Is that, do you see that as being uh, sort of going the Matt Holiday route? You know, it's funny. Whenever Albert went back to St. Louis, all of a sudden it's like, oh, Verlander could end up back in Detroit, Nolan back in Colorado, and there's all this reminiscing. I, I, I don't see that, you know. I mean, I, I just don't. It would be really cool. And I think there will come a time, much like CM Punk, when maybe, uh, you know, he will be welcomed back with open arms after some uh, issues uh, during his career. But I just don't see that happening. That uh, he'll ride off in the sunset in the Rocky Mountains. Yep, I don't. I don't think that'll be the case. Uh, I do think that you're going to go go and get up to sixty percent off game time tickets. We got a, a link in our description. That's how you can help support us. They they support us as well, and you need to support them because look, if you are going to any of these postseason games, in fact, that's uh, I might have to give you a homework assignment, Kev, to see uh, how low the prices can get in Houston for game two. Obviously, they're going to be bloated at first, but here's the cool thing with game time uh, of why you need to make sure you uh, you check out our link in the description is if you wait close to that first pitch, you can go ahead and save even more because those ticket brokers, they're already paying a lot, even just for that face value. So you go ahead and uh, uh, wait a little bit closer. Uh, don't try to catch any uh, balls during a batting practice, whatever it may be. Uh, you go late you're going to get a deal because now they're just dropping that price. They're, they're trying to entice people. So you can hang around the ballpark, uh, sneak in that way uh, with uh, some really, really good seats and good tickets over from the folks over at game time tickets. And if you need some good beef, look, Kevin, I, I don't know if you're driving a, a tractor trailer on your way back up to Colorado, but that's where Hassle Cattle Company, that's where they raise their beef on a family farm right there in Texas, the best damn Wagyu beef you will ever eat. It's versatile, full of flavor. They've got so many different cuts uh, for your budget and for your recipes, whatever it is. It's really the number one source of beef for home chefs, uh, even even a lot in the restaurant industry. But it's top shelf, and it's also affordable. Hassle Cattle Company Wagyu beef can also be shipped anywhere in just days. They've got delicious smoked stuffed sausage that you can have for the grill. If you're if you're more in, in that baseball vibe and you're looking for a dog, you can do that. They got New York strip uh, style steak. Uh, I'm my mouth is watering that it's hard to really articulate all the different options that they've got and which one to go for. You'll just want to say all, please, all. And all is where you can get the best beef and American Wagyu at HassleCattleCompany.com. Secure your bag of beef and use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. That's code DNVR20 for 20% off. And Kevin, I forgot to tell you, your, uh, your, your gift for joining us on the show is 20% off Hassle Cattle Company beef with code DNVR20. Well, I'm going to hook you up. Do, do I need to, to bring them back in the tractor trailer? I mean, I guess I can work on that next couple Nope, of they'll days. ship it to you. Oh, uh, nice. Matt, leave okay. your hands off all the stuff in the trailer. Uh, those exactly. are for other people in the area, but yours will be, be shipped right to your house. You yeah, don't, uh, means a lot. I appreciate that. You don't have to worry about that. All right, let's get to that series in Houston. Seattle's up big, and somehow with a 91% chance that they're going to win the win the game, Seattle does not win the game. I mean, what what was that like? What went down? Tell us from your vantage point. Yeah, you there, uh, saw it with your own eyes. Absolutely. From the vantage point, you know, it, there was a lot of things that happened before Alvarez ever hit that home run. Look back at the top of the ninth inning. Uh, Kyle Tucker makes a great catch against the wall to keep the Mariners from scoring, to keep the Astros within striking distance. And then in the bottom of that inning, one thing that Justin Verlander, Alex Bregman, a lot of the Astros were talking about yesterday with us is look at the at-bats before Alvarez ever hit the homer. They put in uh, David Hensley, a guy who had not had a postseason at-bat, a rookie, and he ends up drawing a walk in that situation. Jeremy Pena, another rookie, 
is the two strikes and puts the ball in play to get the single to put the winning runs on for Alvarez to hit. So it, it was very interesting to me, and I thought it was a really cool lesson in leadership that Bregman and Verlander were so adamant to talk about the two rookies and the role that they played as well. I wanted to make sure everybody in the press knew that. And I thought that's a pretty cool clubhouse culture, actually, to make sure that uh, you're giving everybody the credit and not just saying how what a great hitter Alvarez is. Yeah, say what you will. I, I don't think there are a ton of people that are really banging the drum, pardon the phrase, but about the the banging scandal yeah. and, and whatnot in Houston uh, and the sign stealing and, and what they did because we, we are so far removed from that. And yes, there were certain benefits that they received because of it. But the way they run their organization is amazing. As you said, a guy like Jeremy Pena, who this time last year was in Arizona playing in front of 150 fans in the Arizona Fall League. They had Carlos Correa leaving in free agency. Oh, well, they got to bring him back. I mean, what are they going to have this kid, uh, you know, who basically only played in double A last year come in? And that's exactly what happened. And so they're able to do that and replenish. And, and the way they, they continue to develop players, despite the fact that they don't have uh, a pick even in the top 20 every single year. I, I just tweeted out this morning. I wanted to see because, you know, Cleveland and St. Louis and Seattle, they've made so many trades with the Padres. And I thought, well, do they have more Padres than the Padres? Uh, and Cleveland does. They have five guys that were drafted or uh, signed as international free agents from San Diego. San Diego has only three of their own guys uh, on the roster, and, uh, and Seattle has three. But altogether, there were, uh, I believe, 14 different Padres players that were either drafted or signed as international free agents by the Padres out on teams. Houston has 15 on their roster alone. That underlines the way they've been able to develop their players. Yeah, and, and it really is a culture of winning. It's a culture of don't count us out. It's a culture of we've been here before. And, and I think that was one of the biggest things that I saw yesterday. You know, Julio Rodriguez showed every bit why he should be AL Rookie of the Year this year. No doubt about that. But as a whole, you're talking about a franchise that, you know, sorry to bring up 2001 again, but it's the last time that they were in the playoffs. Houston is one of those yearly entrants into the postseason field. And I think that all that experience that they had on their roster this year, I really think that it ended up making a difference as the game went along. And whenever Houston kind of finally shook off a little bit of that rust from not playing and earning that by, uh, I think you started to see it. The juicy uh, fun fact nugget that I have that I find to be amazing is, first off, it was the first multi-homer walk-off homer. <laughs> That's not redundant. We had the first, first multi-homer walk-off. No, the first multi-run walk-off homer. There we go. Uh, we'll just edit that out in post. No, we won't. <laughs> Uh, in, in postseason history, it, ne it had never happened, or, or rather, it had never happened with a team down by multiple runs. That's what I should say. There you uh, go. Down by multiple runs, only down by one up to that point. Uh, as I mentioned, Seattle had a 91% chance of winning at that point because there were two outs. So it actually makes it the all-time greatest clutch performance in postseason history. It wasn't in the World Series like Kirk Gibson's was. Uh, his was maybe in the 88th, per, uh, 88th percentile that uh, Oakland should have won that. Yeah. Uh, but nevertheless, that's the highest. And then coupled with he had a big double early on in the game, you add that together. If you look at a stat like win probability and win probability added, something that we talked about last offseason, if you remember, we did. as an interesting right. stat, that is now uh, the most clutch performance ever, according to win, wins probability added, by a player at 105%. You can actually get above 100%. Uh, and actually knocks down uh, former St. Louis Cardinal David Freeze uh, in, in his big game six there in the World Series. So, I mean, it was just – it was it was historic. You know it when you see it, but also the numbers back it up as well. Yeah, and, and just go ahead and give Alvarez the ALDS MVP now. I mean, just go ahead and hand it over to him. You know, but here's the thing. Uh, Luis Castillo is going tomorrow for the Mariners. And, and if the Mariners are going to steal a game in Houston, everybody thought, well, it's going to be game two. So I think that's still in play. I think it's just a matter of how Seattle shakes off yesterday. You know, we saw what happened in St. Louis. The Cardinals weren't able to do it, and they've got all the postseason experience in the world on that roster. Now, Will Seattle's young guns be able to go, eh, it was one game, and be able to come back tomorrow? I think that's going to be a real telltale sign, or else it's going to be a short series in Seattle whenever they get up there this weekend. Earlier today, Bud Black did say that he would have preferred the day off today rather than having 
again, he was on uh, Sirius XM radio. And so, yeah, that's, that's a strange thing. Some people might realize is, yeah, the American league is, they're not playing today. They're, they're going to get a, a day off. Uh, otherwise there would be nobody playing on Thursday. And so uh, we don't want that. So that is kind of strange, but he said, you know, that it's, that's probably better to maybe get a little bit of distance rather than, you know, uh, trying to flush it and coming back the next day. And, you know, maybe that the ballpark's still having some of those embers or ghosts of oh, yeah. uh, what had just occurred, they might be able to uh, to get rid of it and, uh, and have a shorter memory. So, uh, if he's saying that's a benefit, and with obviously Luis Castillo now, uh, he could be that that next postseason guy. He's hired gun, and uh, they extended him already too. So uh, we could see him a lot more for Seattle. That becomes obviously a very big game for him. Was there any discussion about Justin Verlander and uh, you know his his sort of poor performance and how shocking that may have been? Yeah, Verlander, you know, Verlander basically said it was rust, basically said that Seattle had a really good uh, attack plan against him, that they were patient. And one thing that I noted uh, in an article I wrote this morning, so Verlander needed 81 pitches to get through four innings. If you look back at the game, it really flipped whenever the Houston bullpen came in. So 81 pitches for Verlander in four innings. The bullpen, four guys combined for Houston, needed just 78 pitches to get through the rest of the game. So whatever patience that they were showing against Verlander, it seemed to really flip a lot whenever that bullpen got in there. And Seattle kind of got a little bit out of their game because they only got one run against a pitcher that wasn't named Justin Verlander. Yeah. That's that's a story to watch going forward. Uh, let's talk about some of the other series. Uh, New York, Cleveland, uh, Yankees won. Uh, game one there. DJ LeMay, who left off the ALDS roster, he's been having some foot issues. And uh, I sort of, uh, this isn't necessarily a, about the game, but uh, Roldis Chapman uh, left off the uh, the roster. He, he sort of wasn't going to be on it. Yankees are actually seeking disciplinary action like from the league. Uh, I don't know exactly what that would be. He's going to be a free agent. Didn't have a good year, but he's still young. I can't believe he's only 34 years old. Is he a guy that has he fallen so far uh, with with this incident that perhaps he signed a deal with the Colorado Rockies? Or <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to ask that question, <laughs> or 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 is it not that bad of a situation yet for uh, the Cuban Missile? I cannot see Bud Black and Aroldis Chapman in the same clubhouse. I've got to be perfectly honest with you. I I think that there's been so much toxicity from him throughout the years especially this year though with the tattoo and having to go on the the il at the end and then this whole situation about guarantee me i'm on the roster or else i'm not coming we'll just stay there you know i, I think that that's going to leave a bad taste for a lot of teams and I, I don't see the rockies taking a chance on him but i will almost guarantee somebody else will for sure no doubt all right in the national league philadelphia wins seven six in Atlanta, Atlanta made it close. Uh, but they did squander some big chances. Uh, Nick Castellanos makes that great diving play right there. Matt Olson uh, is a guy for Atlanta who has you know his uh, his big moment there in Atlanta, which uh, which was really good to see for him. But uh, you know, right now Philly has their uh, their their two big guys. They got Wheeler and Nola, and now it's all over. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's a that's a phrase, but maybe it could be. You know, this weekend, something I really can't wait to see is how Philly fans and Seattle fans react to postseason baseball back in their towns for the first time in a decade. And and I think it's going to have a lot more impact in Philly because I think that Philly's series is at least going to be 1-1 heading back there. Uh, but you're exactly right. Uh, one thing that, that Ollie Marmel and a lot of the Cardinals even talked about was Facing Nola and Wheeler back to back in that wild card series, and what an advantage that that was for the Phillies, and they certainly took advantage of that. Uh, you know, and, and I think that one thing to really watch in this series is can Atlanta weather those two guys? If for some reason they can, then you know I, I think Atlanta's got a real shot of pulling it off. But uh, but I'm going to tell you the way that those two guys looked in St. Louis, if they keep that up against the Braves. Philly could keep going, man. Team that wins game one in a five-game series has a 71% chance of of uh, taking the series. Uh, and if it's the home team, it's actually 72%, so it's a little bit higher. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of have to wait and see what happens. We did learn uh, also right before we went to air, Tyler Matzik heading Tommy John surgery. Uh, so, uh, we, you know, we wish the uh, the former Rocky and current Nutsack 
to uh to you know nothing but the best of health there for him uh let's get to the uh the dodgers series and uh and the one team that has a former rocky who was drafted or signed as an international free agent yes i had to go through and find out of the of the active rosters how many came through colorado the answer is only one and remember yancy almonte was not originally he was uh he was an angels guy he was originally drafted by the angels um, so yeah, Tyler Anderson was the only one, but, uh, Dodgers get off to that, uh, early start. They win five, three, they hold on and San Diego, uh, their bullpen, uh, looked really good. Five and a third, no hits. Uh, but, uh, they're, they're going to be hurting. Trey Turner gets it started. There's another former Padres guy and, uh, Mike Clevenger. What uh, were the Padres thinking, uh, starting a guy that had a 9.69 ERA against the Dodgers this season? That one surprised me a little bit that he was going in game one as opposed to Sean Manaya. Absolutely. You know, and, and neither one of those guys have had good luck against the Dodgers this year. But, I mean, a, a lot of guys can say that, obviously. But I think the Dodgers are so in the Padres' head at this point that whenever I saw that, that was going to be the matchup, I was like, oh, this this isn't going to last long. And, and I think somebody pointed out on Twitter that uh, a lot of the big guns for the Dodgers didn't even have a hit last night. Uh, you know, and the Dodgers were still able to pull out a win. So it really does make you wonder, does San Diego have any kind of chance in the series? Because you know darn good and well that those Dodger fans are going to travel south for game three. Oh, for sure. You Darvish against Clayton Kershaw. That is a fantastic matchup for game two on Wednesday night. Darvish, incidentally, I think he's a free agent after this year. Uh, and uh, there, there might be in talks. I think San Diego wants to extend him. And then Zach Wheeler versus Kyle Wright over there uh, in Atlanta for that game one. We've been uh, discussing a little bit on the pod, the idea of, you know, how Rockies fans, not who, but how Rockies fans should root in uh, this Padres Dodgers series or what should they root for exactly? Cause you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't, one of those teams is going to win and you're going to go, darn it. Yeah. Uh, do, do you root for the Padres then hoping they get knocked off in the next round? I mean, that's, that's the only uh, the lesser of two evils that I can think of if you're a Rockies fan, to be honest with you, because yeah. the Dodgers are just so stacked. I mean, I, I don't know that anything's going to stop a Dodgers Astros world series, but we'll see. Yep. That's uh that's what, that's what we're figuring. Uh, we're hoping for like a, a, a knockout drag out type of, you know, battle between, uh, you know, all five games between those two, but you know, after seeing what happened in game one, yeah, it was somewhat close, but you know, Padres bats too at the top were really quiet as well. Yeah, true. They, you're right. That Dodgers just really seem like uh, they've, they've got the Padres numbers, but having been there in August, right at the trade deadline, Petco was rocking. It was, yeah. it was, it was very, very impressive. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. They, yeah. They almost, they almost have to win a game. Uh, you almost have to win game two if you're down. Oh, one to have any any shot I, I i don't actually know off the top of my head if any team has come back oh two in a five game series i think it has happened we know that you know uh, when the red sox did it in 2004 against the yankees that was the first time in a seven game series but we've had uh we've had a, a few five game series that i think that that's uh that's probably transpired no craig kimbrell on the roster for the dodgers there so so one less guy there but uh it wouldn't surprise me if he's someone who gets added on later on uh in in one of the subsequent series guys get hurt uh, all the time. And so uh, there definitely seems to be a lot more flexibility uh, or maybe just a lot more injuries uh, in, in recent years than I can ever remember in the past with guys bouncing on and off the roster. I, I teams are, teams are doing what they can and being creative with the IL. Well, and, and, you know, here in Houston, one of the big stories yesterday that kind of went under the radar was uh, Phil Maton, you know, busting his hand. Uh, yeah. Yeah, smashing the locker, that's never going to end up well. And uh, he found that out firsthand. So they had him come out in front of the dugout, stand in front of us and explain what happened. And I was like, man, this is like back in school when you had to actually admit that you stole something, you know. So uh, <laughs> that, was a, that was a tough scene for him, I know. I had heard about that. Wow, all right. I didn't know you were there too. So it's so basically kids from other schools too were also there listening. Like, oh no, these aren't just the Houston people. These are other schools oh, yeah. hearing about my transgression. Yeah, we're all we're all there because the first that we'd heard about it was uh, uh, James Click, the GM, came in and said that there was an off the field injury that that we will be having him talk about. We were all like, oh, this is interesting. And sure enough, here he comes, cast on his hand out to talk to everybody. And we're like. Oh boy. 
So that was interesting. Yeah, and it, was it directly because it, he did he strike his brother out? I know that they had, he had faced, or did his brother get a hit? And that's his brother got a hit. And so, so what he told us was that he'd had such a good, uh, such a good end of the year. And then he felt like it all got flushed with that final outing. So he took it out of the locker and, and the locker won, as it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it definitely does. And what's, what's interesting too about that is, uh, he was a draftee by the San Diego Padres, uh, and he actually would have been, uh, the only guy on Houston uh, had he not been hurt the only former Padre so uh, it's just Houston and the Yankees uh, they don't have a, a former Padre uh, prospect there uh, in their midst so uh, Kev this has been great man Are, do you uh, do you know what's planned I, I don't know yet we haven't we haven't talked off air yet but yeah. uh, championship series uh, do you know yet or you no, think I, you might do something uh, I think I might but more than likely I'm, I'm actually ready to be home a little bit to be honest with you so uh I'll probably be home next week. I uh, got a little bit of other travel to see some family that I'm going to mix in there. Uh, my daughter's getting married in December. Got a few things I've got to need to do to uh, get prepared for that there in Oklahoma. So uh, uh, I may be watching the rest along uh, with you, buddy. We'll see. Ooh, hey, don't threaten me with a good time. Uh, <laughs> I'm down with that. You got to shine those golf clubs up, man, right? I don't know if you're going out the course field for that golf event. It's coming up. A little top golf action, right? I mean, hey, let's do that. That's it. You know? I'm down. I'm down for that. This has been great. Uh, make sure you're checking out uh, Kevin's work over on uh, Call to the Pen and Fanside. And also, too, uh, Kevin, I, I, I think you wanted to share something, too, about uh, Rock's Pile because, you know, we've had you uh, and Noah on before. And, you know, at, at first, some Rockies fans are going to, you know, it sounded very disappointing, like, oh, no more Rock's Pile. But there's there's definitely some silver lining there, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Noah and I walked away from the side at the start of the month because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm personally moving into a role as kind of a national writer for Fansided. I'm super excited about that uh, as part of this coverage that I'm doing all over the country, which is a great thing. So next year, still be based at Coors, still be covering Rockies games. It'll just be for Call of the Pen and Fansided, but also doing a lot more with the the opposing teams that come in as well. So Rock's Pile has been great. Uh, you know, uh, uh, 2016, I started there. Uh, it's been it's been a labor of love, but it was time to let somebody else take it over whenever I transitioned over into this role. So, yeah, uh, call the pin and fan side. Uh, hopefully you'll check me out there. Appreciate it. Yeah, a lot, lot of, still a lot of great Rockies content out. Renee, uh, our homegirl Renee, even just yeah. put something up about Zach Veen. So that was fantastic. So there's still going to be plenty of Rockies content. Absolutely. Over there, call to the pen and by fan side. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at KGH23. Uh, follow us at DNVR underscore Rockies at Patrick D. Lyons is where I'm at on Twitter. Kevin, this has been uh, a lot of fun. And unlike the Seattle Mariners, you know what they say about momentum. It's only as good as your next show. So we'll talk to you tomorrow at 11 a.m. 